Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. My name's Matt Southgoom and today I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague Mark Orders. Good afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon, Matt. How are you? Yeah, we've had a good weekend. Uh, Friday was a bit costly. <laughs> I think I uh, spent so much I triggered a fiscal boom in the Parisian economy. <laughs> so my wife's not going to be pleased. I should also mention that we're recording this in the airport, so if... Like in, in Rome a few weeks ago, or in Edinburgh, uh, if there are any rogue announcements or some uh, strange noises appearing with people running around, then I do apologise, but it all adds to the flavour. Um, let's get down to it then, Mark. Uh, <laughs> quite a memorable afternoon in general, if we just overview it for, for a second. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. You know, for 79 minutes, that game was going nowhere. And... Uh, it was quite a, an easy one to write in a way, you know, it's sort of a, a semi-decent uh, Wales performance. Well, no frills, Lee Half, Benny kicked his goals, Wales looked as if they were going to win. And then the final 20 minutes, it just went haywire <laughs> and a bit more. And um, I was talking to Justin Tipperick after the game, he said he's never come across anything like it in his career. And he wouldn't have been alone saying that. Yeah, it, it was just astonishing. I guess that there's a couple of talking points to come come out of that last uh, 20 minutes or so, but I think we need to start with the the, the big substitution um, replacement tight dead for France. Ouini Antonio comes off the field to be replaced by the man he replaced, uh, Rabas Lemani, who is a, a better scrummager in many people's opinions. And obviously in that last 20 minutes, there were a lot of scrums. France camped on the Welsh line, a lot of pressure at um, at the scrum. But it's caused massive controversy the way it, the way it was handled. We just briefly overview what went on. Um, basically, the, the team doctor from France went on the field, informed the referee that Antonio needed to go off for a HIA, um, so that Slimani went then went back onto the field. Although a minute or two before, Wayne Barnes, the referee, spoke to Antonio, and Antonio said he was fine to carry on. Um, the Welsh coaching staff say they saw. A member of the French team management go and speak to the doctor. The doctor then, within a minute, was on the field taking off this tight dead prop. Who, if anything, complained about having a sore back, but said he was okay. Next minute, he's going off for a HIA. It's it's all a bit cloak and dagger. And what 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 do we make of what we saw there? Towards French fast. Antonio, <laughs> um, uh, poor man. He probably didn't know when he got off the pitch whether he had a bad back or a bad head. And uh, it was a shambles. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, John Davis said, John Davis, the World Centre, said it didn't appear right. And I think everybody would agree with that. Uh, it looked as if there, were, there, were, there was something sort of, dare I say it, you know, untoward possibly going on. Um, subject to confirmation and any kind of investigation that might take place by World Rugby. But yeah, I agree with John Davis. It simply didn't look right. Mm. Um, and uh, it needs to be looked at thoroughly because millions of people were watching that game and rugby deserved a bit better than the way it finished. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one because by saying that Antonio had a, had a head injury, they had nothing to really gain from that. If they had said his back had gone, and they had to bring him off. Then, even if he was just injured, like Slimani could have gone back on, and we'd have no way of proving or disproving whether he had a bad back or not. But when he came off the field, there were certainly suggestions that he didn't look as if he 
you require the head injuries <coughs> assessment. Um, and after the match, uh, Gino Vez, the French head coach, said that he was told Antonio was injured and then it was his responsibility to take Antonio off the field. So it's a bit of a strange one because, he, like I said, he didn't need to have had a head injury for Slimani to come back on. Yeah, I mean, look, broadly speaking, I mean, if the French are found to have cheated, they really need to have the book thrown at him. Um, as far as Antonio was concerned, he didn't know what his problem was. That was quite clear. When Barnes asked him, are you injured? He said, I'm OK. We'll say he then talked about having a bad back. They were in the utter confusion and bedlam. The people on the sidelines didn't appear to know what was going on. They clearly hadn't communicated the injury to Antonio. And before you know it, he's running down the, the tunnel for a HIA. And, um, yeah, all a bit unsatisfactory, more so. Um, it, it just was shambolic. To explain what it was, because obviously we were there, um, and like all the fans in the stadium, none of us re- really had any real idea of what on earth was going on. There was total confusion on the touchline. The fourth official, the Welsh coaching staff were visibly angry at whatever was going on. Um, and, and thrown into the mix here, <laughs> there was a yellow card for Samson Lee and he actually went he had enough time to go back onto the field after his sin binning was up and I think he had the yellow card around the 80th minute mark I don't think we've ever seen a player yellow carded in the 80th minute have time to return to the action and obviously they, they looked as though they wanted to put Scott Baldwin back on the field but from where I was sat he appeared to have a lot of blood um, coming out of his head so they had to send Thomas Francis back on and as Rob Howley pointed out, if they wanted to have played their own games, they could have turned around and said, Tom Francis isn't fit, we need to go to uncontested scrums. Yeah, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, I think Wales did the right thing. Um, you know, it's important to win, but I think you need, a team needs to conduct itself properly on the pitch. And um, I think Wales, I think Wales in those final minutes did so. Um, France, you know, there are questions over whether they sort of acted mm. above board. Um, but there we are, it'll all come out in the wash. It will. Sure. Well, if, you, if in the Rob Howley's press conference, if you were counting the amount of times he said the word integrity, um, he was clearly upset at what he'd seen. It, uh, my first impressions of his conference was, was it was quite passionate. Other people have used the words emotional, and you could tell he was clearly upset with what had gone on and what he thought he'd seen, etc., you know. Like you said, I haven't seen what he's saying he saw um, in terms of the, man- the team management, a member of, going to speak to the doctor, etc., etc. Um, but what did you make of the way Howley came out in the press? Because it was quite strong stuff. He was saying that the, the actions of the French management had brought the integrity of the game into disrepute. That's quite a strong thing to be saying about your opposite number. Yeah, it, it was strong from Rob. He clearly had a, a point to make. I think he accepted as well that Wales had lost. I think generally speaking, what we shouldn't uh, sort of overlook really is that it was an incomplete Wales team performance on the day. Mm. And maybe this whole incident sort of masks that somewhat. And that shouldn't be allowed to happen because at the end of the day, um, Wales didn't pose that many problems for France in attack. And um, this whole incident and the countless questions that it throws up really 
it is sort of uh, cloud in really, perhaps a, a thorough analysis, if you like, of Wales's team performance, which, as I say, wasn't their greatest. Mm. So, in, in amongst all this, we've had controversial subs, we've had 20 minutes worth of overtime, we've had countless reset scrums, and then suddenly George North appears in front of Mr. Barnes, pointing quite furiously at a mark on his bicep. And there is a mark there. Um, the claim is there was a bite. We Again, we haven't seen conclusive evidence from where we were. Um, but if there is a bite, that's not, that's not what we want to see, is it? Well, it's, it's definitely not what we want to see in, in the full glare of uh, a Six Nations game. I mean, the TV footage is said to be inconclusive, but at the end of the day, that shouldn't stop the disciplinary beaks from having a look at it mm. and investigating it thoroughly. Because if North has been munched, then basically <laughs> somebody needs to be called to account on, on that. Yeah. Um, you simply can't have it. You know, you've got a sport out there which you're trying to sell and project to children. It's a competitive market nowadays, and you certainly can't have players being munched on a rugby field if it did indeed happen. It was uh, slightly peculiar. Um, I think you'll agree, mind, that when Wayne Barnes did go to the TMO to check that. The, there wasn't there wasn't exactly a lot forthcoming from the the producer on the day who was uh, trying to find these images from Mr Barnes, and there, there wasn't exactly the, the five or six camera angles that we normally get of an incident shown on a big screen. Oh well, that's no surprise whatsoever. There was a suggestion that uh, coming from the French side, I think I don't know if a player said it. I don't know. I think Norves might have hinted at it, that North actually bit himself, That's right, which yeah. would be uh, ridiculous. And it didn't happen. You could see North, by his body language, he was outraged afterwards. He immediately went on to the ref and alerted him. The ref had a look at his arm, his bicep area, and, and there appeared to be teeth marks there. So, again, you know, you shouldn't need to bring in Miss Marple on this one. At the end of the day, <laughs> there's teeth marks there. They probably weren't there before the start of the game. North probably didn't bite. Um, you just need to have a look at all the available camera angles, get someone uh, who's legally minded involved, and, and, yeah, you know, just get to the bottom of it. Indeed, and... I've just mentioned there there was a, n a number of reset scrums during this passage of play. We were sat, couldn't quite believe what was unfolding in front of my eyes. To be honest, um, there was uh, just resets. There were penalties given to France for, for infringements at the scrum from Wales. Bear in mind they're five metres from their own line. This is last play. A, a converted try would win it for France. My opinion is that France probably deserved a penalty try long before they eventually bundled their way over the line. I don't know how you saw it. Yeah, look, I mean, it, I, I'd agree, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, Wills probably de deserved the penalty try earlier on yeah, we'll come when, uh, when, when Bigger sort of threw a pass out to, to North and uh, uh, the French wings sort of appeared to deliberately knocking on. But yeah, look, I mean, there, there were nine sort of scrums there and uh, a number of penalties went against Wills. Really, Barnes should have said after the first one or two, look, if this happens again... I'm going to be awarding a penalty try. Um, he didn't, as far as I'm aware, and it just it just ran and ran, bordering on out of control. And you had people laying on the pitch, uh, cramped up. You had all this chaos of their injuries. You had the the North biting incident, and it, it shouldn't have happened. And um, 
as I say, Barnes, I think he's a good referee generally. Um, but on the day, perhaps it, it wasn't perhaps his finest hour. But you know, as I say, there was so much going on. It is it's hard to blame him really. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. He, he is a very good referee, and do you think he perhaps got a bit flustered by what everything that began to happen? Like you said, it was so much chaos, and did he almost not forget, but did he overlook what? On any other occasion, if this happened in the third or fourth minute of a match, France would have had a penalty try within three resets, surely. I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all, but the thing is he had to get the call right. He had to be absolutely certain what was going on merited a penalty try. Um, and he clearly didn't think that. you know. So I do have a degree of sympathy with the French on that front that I think they probably should have been awarded a penalty try during the course of... Well, it was 20-odd minutes when he bolted onto the game, which is a fiasco. <laughs> it's totally bizarre. Um, you've already alluded to the the uh, Vakatawa yellow card um, for knocking down Dan Biggers' pass to George North. That, let's be honest, if North catches a ball, he could probably crawl over. Um, before that, um, Jonathan Davis was guilty of something similar up the other end. And at the time, I thought he was lucky to get away with it. And I... And if you compare the two incidents, they're not too dissimilar. So I was surprised to see Barnes give a yellow after he'd let Jonathan Davis off the hook. But should there have been penalty tries awarded as well? Because it looked to be a walk-in for the, for the winger on both occasions. Uh, yeah, it's almost, they're almost no-brainers as far as I was concerned. Apparently he didn't give the penalty try to Wales because he felt that biggest pass north had slightly overrun biggest pass but I think he would have taken that pass it's a huge assumption to make that is. yeah I, I think he would have taken the pass and I think he would have scored and uh, I think that call was wrong and probably Jonathan Davis will count himself lucky as well because mm. in fact if anything he's looked more blatant than Vakatawa's yeah I thought so too um, there's been some comments come out from French second row Johan Maestri uh, overnight uh, seem to be suggesting that Wales and Barnes were almost in cahoots at times, and 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 his some he mentioned the word complicity between Anglo-Saxons. He's alluding to Barnes and Wales in that context, and uh, he also suggested that people from from Britain think that the French are cheats, and those are astonishing comments to be making after a game of of. You know what? What we saw was total chaos, and in the end, France won. So it seems to be a little bit of a strange comment to make from Maestri. Yeah, just, you know, I mean, uh, my guess is that uh, we haven't heard the last of that. I think that um, the relevant authorities will be giving Mr. Maestri a call <laughs> and asking him to explain himself. It could be a few things. We were talking about this earlier. Maybe lost in translation. But if he's using the word complicit and there's any suggestion that Barnes and, and Wales were, as you say, in cahoots, and I think, uh, I think that those comments uh, go beyond perhaps, you know, what, what is fair and reasonable. I think Barnes is a top ref. I think his, his integrity is, 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 is beyond doubt, really. And um, I don't think that uh, Maestri is being fair, really, to, uh, to make any suggestion of any kind of moral wrongdoing. I think, uh, I think he'll have to answer a few questions himself in the coming days or weeks. <laughs> There's the announcement that we were expecting. Um, moving on then, as, as you've already alluded to, Mark, 
what happened in the final 20 minutes shouldn't be allowed to mask what, in the end, let's call it speed of speed here, was a pretty average Wales performance. They looked not clueless, but they looked as if they'd run out of ideas at times with the ball. Never, there was that one incident with North that we've talked about, but other than that, I can't think of too many other big opportunities that went begging. Um, Lee Halfpenny's boot looked as though, which was fantastic on the day, there was some great kicking from Halfpenny, some long, long kicks. Looked as if it was going to win the day for Wales, but it didn't materialise. So, in terms of attack and defence, what what has this told us about Wales? I don't think it's told us a lot, really. I think we already knew that, that this is a side who will give you everything and then a bit more. They lapsed, lack absolutely nothing in terms of perspiration, but in terms of inspiration, they are a little, they, they regularly come up short in terms of creativity and just the ability to conjure space and just basically score tries and, and put together decent attacking moves. And um, they played that game and for 100 minutes yesterday, they had one scoring opportunity. And um, they should be doing a bit better. They, they really should, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, they've, they've got to work out whether these players can sort of play this new game that, I say new game, we haven't seen that much evidence of it, that Howley, Rob Howley, says Wales are intent on playing um, or whether he needs to make fundamental personnel changes um, uh, over the on the summer tour and going forward next season Talk about Howley um, Wales have finished fifth in this Six Nations Championship there was talk obviously before the game that they could go up to fourth in the world with a win in Paris with so so many tries etc etc obviously didn't materialise but sure what we saw it was not a team that looked like they deserved to be fighting for fourth place in the world a fifth place finish in the Six Nations if it's for anyone Rob Howley in particular that's a result that is pretty disastrous really yeah it is a strange one though Scotland finished fourth and there were probably parties on the, on Princess Street last night. Wales finished fifth, and uh, you know every, everybody's really disappointed. But I think I think people are right to be disappointed because I think the expectations were far higher um, on Wales, and they, they've come up short. And uh, like I say, I think that uh, I think that the team have stalled somewhat um, all season, really, since the Australia game. Um, when, when they lost heavily, they have chiselled out a, a few wins based on character and resolve. But we knew that Wales had that in spades. What we haven't seen much evidence of is any kind of serious progress in terms of their attacking game. They played well against Ireland. That was a good uh, performance. Uh, again, built on massive effort uh, and adrenaline. And um, but you know. I really wanted to see sort of uh, evidence of slick attacking moves and and tries and and unfortunately just hadn't been forthcoming. If this Six Nations was a trial for Howley. Obviously Warren Gatland, his contract's up after the World Cup. Um, it would appear that the natural progression and the, and the idea beforehand would be that this would be Howley's sort of doing his is sort of hard work and then getting the main job when Gatlin leaves. If this was a trial for Howley, 
it hasn't really gone very well, has it? Oh, you know, the table doesn't lie. I mean, at the end of the day, Wills are fifth. They've just got Italy below them. Um, they, they, as I say, they, they played well against England. They played well against Ireland. And they had a decent half against Italy. Um, it hasn't gone well at all. And um, uh, before the uh, start of the championship, uh, Martin Phillips, the WRU chief executive, said that they would be taking into account how Wills performed uh, during the Six Nations. So yeah, you know, at the end of the day, um, yeah, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have thought that Rob would be totally happy um, with, with Wills' efforts because the WRU probably won't be. Exactly, and it's not just the coaching staff. Obviously, the players need to shoulder some of the blame uh, with what's gone on. Um, there's obviously a Lions tour this summer. Uh, I know people will say players should be concentrating on performing for their country and then the rest takes care of itself. The players themselves have said that countless times throughout this championship, as you would expect. But how many of them have done their case some good in this championship? Because there aren't a great deal of positives to take from the last seven or eight weeks. Oh, there definitely not a great deal of positives to take. As I say, going back to Rob, I think there are questions over the selection, you know, the sort of uh, quite a conservative series of selections, really. He said he was players enjoyed the consistency in selection. But at the end of the day, the results are not there. And um, going on to the Lions, I think that the two flankers, I think, have been consistently impressive. Uh, Sam Orbit and Justin Tipperick. I think they finished the championship heavily in credit. I think Reese Webb has shown that he can be a, an attacking catalyst. I think Reese again, uh, he can look forward. He, he's gonna, he should be getting measured up for Alliance Blazer. I think we've seen a return to form of North, yeah. uh, George North, in the last couple of games, which is really good news for Wales and good news for the Lions as well. Because when he plays at his best, he's. Uh, there are not many wings in European rugby that can, who can match him. And um, that's been one of the big pluses of the Championship for Wales. North seems to have rediscovered his mojo because, uh, you know, he had... Uh, up in Scotland, uh, he came up with an absolutely shocking performance. Uh, but he shows a bit of character as well, you know, to, uh, to bounce back. He shouldn't really need uh, a sort of heap of criticism and and coaches calling him out in the press. He shouldn't really need all that to prompt a return to form. But look, we are where we are, and he has. So I think George, I think he, he's going with the Lions. I think Ali Wynn hasn't perhaps been at his very best in this tournament. I think he's got enough credit in the bank, and I think he's a top player, and I think he'll go as well. Um, Ken Owens? Uh, Ken was not his, his, his best, really, um, on Saturday. But again... He's, he's played really well throughout the championship. Uh, my own preference, I, I, I would take, um, it probably won't happen, but I would take Hibbard. And um, I think he's an outstanding player. He's a, he's a big game player as well. And uh, he will give you that sort of impact um, and go forward that perhaps Wales haven't exactly enjoyed, you know, um, during this Six Nations. I, w I would take Hibbard. Um, Halfpenny, uh, look, uh, I mean, his attacking game, um, like Wales, is appears maybe not as sharp as it could be, but this 
guy is a world-class goal kicker. And what we saw on Saturday was arguably the the greatest Wales goal kicking performance. Well, I would count it up there with biggers in the World Cup against England and Neil Jenkins is against England at Wembley in 1999. There were six kicks, he nailed a lot and didn't look like missing. Three of them from over 50 metres and uh, it was uh, it was outstanding. Mm. All right, um, I think we're going to have to leave it there because we're going to have to jump on a plane shortly to uh, get back to Wales. Um, I must remind you before we go that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, so head over there, search for the Welsh Rugby Podcast, and you should find this, no problem at all. Um, Obviously, it goes without saying that there's going to be a lot more fallout from this game and the Championship uh, as a whole, you know, how it's gone for Wales and looking forward to the Lions next summer. And don't forget, there's obviously regional matches in between now and then, and we'll be covering all those on Wales Online. Ook bewust bezig zijn met je mobiel? Dat kan al voor 20,50 per maand met de Huawei P20 Lite. Nu met 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1000 MB 4G internet. Kijk op ben.nl. Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.